It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Luke Inman, my sidekick today. It's the mailbag show. Would the Vikings take a running back in the first round? And will Kirk Cousins accept a trade negotiation if the Vikings ask him? All that and plenty more on the Minnesota Football Party today. Lockdown Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings Insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Luke Inman's jamming. We're here for the Minnesota football party. Reggie Wilson, usually a Wednesday guest. He's en route. I think he beat the storm to Fort Myers to cover twin spring training. He'll be back with us next week. So it's myself. It's Luke Inman answering your Vikings questions today on the football party. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Sam Ekstrom or at Luke underscore Spinman. You can get your questions in early If you want to shoot that out to us during the week on Twitter, we'll save that away and use it on the show. And you can find our show in a lot of different ways. Uh, YouTube, subscribe there for free. Locked on Sports Minnesota channel, free and available wherever you listen to podcasts or your Amazon Fire Stick or Roku devices, the Locked on Sports Minnesota app. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today. To get started, Luke, I've got an exercise for you to kick things off. Before we get to the questions, I wanna I wanna quiz you on this Wednesday morning. How do you feel about that? Are you nervous? Well, I don't like to be put on the hot seat here, Sam. But if it is Vikings or maybe draft related, I feel good about my chances. Go ahead, fire away. What do you got? All right, PFF has released the majority of its top 101 players list. Now, I will say this: the top 25 have not been released yet. But from all from what I can tell, there's only going to be one Viking in that top 25. Uh, you want to guess who it is? Is it um, big mystery? God, is it boy? CJ Ham had a heck of a season last year. I know. I'm torn. <sighs> is, is it that it Jefferson? CJ, CJ it, or JJ? It's one. Of yeah, the one of the J. Maybe a maybe TJ, TJ in there. No, yeah, TJ. it's got to be JJ. It's got to be JJ. Yeah. And honestly, too, JJ might even be in the top ten, if not even top five, knowing those PFF grades and just what he did last season. So that's going to be a lot of fun and interesting. Not only where he is in the top twenty-five, but how close he can get to that number one spot because he's been that good, Sam, especially last season. 
Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And usually when we see rankings, it's by position, and he's mm-hmm. always one, two, or three amongst the wide receivers. How does he stack up amongst all positions, and what quarterbacks do they put above him? So that drops on Thursday. There are, I don't even want to tell you, there's a number of other Vikings in the top 101. Would you like to hazard a guess who made the list? Yeah, well, let's think about this just from a broader lens, realistically, take a step back. Obviously, the strength of the team last year was the offense. So who was their core offensive players? I got to think Derisaw has to be up there. And Brian O'Neill, maybe not too far behind as well. Are either one of those guys in the list? All right, so family feud style. I'll give you, there's X, there's, let's just say there's six answers on the board. Okay. Derisaw, ding, ding, got it, number 26. Oh, Brian just outside O'Ne- the top 25. Okay. Yep. Yep. Just outside. Brian O'Neill. Ding, ding. Got it. Number 68. He is uh, fourth of the six, if that makes sense. So, so Derrissaw is the highest. O'Neill would be fourth. There's four more. Okay. How about TJ Hawkinson? He's got to be on that list somewhere, right, Sam? That's your first buzz. Wow. X. I actually have, I even got the buzzer sound effect here. Wow. Okay. 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 All right. Let's switch gears here. I I still feel good about one more offensive player on the list, but let's switch gears, flip over to the defensive side of the ball. How about Sidarius Smith? I know he cooled off that second half of the season, but what he did that first half of the season was so dominant. Maybe the number one pass rusher in the entire NFL as a whole. I think he's got to be on that list somewhere. He is right beneath Derrissaw. He is number 51 Mm. in the top 101. Z makes the list. Okay. All right. Let's go back to the offense. How about Delvin Cook? Still arguably one of the top five, if not top three running backs in the league when healthy. Is he on that list, Sam? No. No Dalvin Cook. Did struggle at times this year, you know, yards per carry went down. I mm-hmm. I, I get it. He's he was left off this year. So, okay. so is that my strikes. second buzz? Oh boy. All two, right. Maybe I'm buzzes. maybe I'm overlooking the obvious. I don't know how much they weight the quarterback position, but Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins on the list. Cousins is on the list. He's number ninety seven. Just just snuck made it in skin of our teeth. Okay, well, boy, no TJ, no Dalvin. I don't think Thielen was on the list, right? I don't think KJ Osborne made it. No other offensive lineman outside of, obviously, Derrissaw and Brian O'Neill. I've said Zadarius. Daniil Hunter, from a PFF score, I think has a chance to be on that list. Tell me if I'm wrong. You're not wrong. Daniil Hunter on the list, and pretty high on the list, number 55. Wow. Just behind Zadarius. So it all comes down to this. You've got one more guess. And one more X. Rolling the dice here a little bit. I've got a handful of options. Eric Kendricks, Jordan Hicks, Harrison Smith. Because, again, this is just based off the PFF grade they had just last season alone, correct? I I guess I don't know if this is solely based on grade because they do have to weight positions, right? Like positional value. Sure. Um, Sure. So I don't know if it's like straight numerical there's Mm -hmm. probably some opinion baked in here okay well based off the season he had i'm gonna go with patrick peterson is patrick peterson on the list yes he Ah. is luke edmund gets the money and gets to go to fast money in the final round of family feud good job we're going to disney world mom we did it yep well done uh what's what's the cash value on those prizes sam i'll figure that out later yeah, it's uh, you know, five five cents, five cents on the on the number. So 
that that's that's the top 101 vikings pretty well represented if you count those six and then jj probably in the top 25 so seven players in the top 101 there's only 30 there's 32 teams so obviously the vikings getting more than average on that list let me Uh, ask you this just real quick i know the top 25 hasn't been released but which quarterbacks were above kirk cousins i know he was on the bottom of the list but did make the top 100 which quarterbacks were right above him all right, I'm going to... And I'm sure the top 25 will have at least a handful of quarterbacks, I'm sure. Who's above I'm scrolling. Kirk? I'm scrolling. Uh, so t- the first one that I see here is Tua at 45. Oh, wow. Okay. Tua. I'm guessing that means there's a lot in the top 25. So Tua's at 45. Um, Man, there are no quarterbacks here, dude. They're, they must all be in the top 20. Geno Smith, 71. Okay, okay. Interesting. All right, all right. You know, everybody loves to play that game. Compare Kirk Cousins. Where is he at? Is he a middle-of-the-row guy? Is he a top-10 guy? It's always interesting to see these different media outlets. Where they have him ranked and compared to, that's all. So Geno Smith, Tua, below those guys. But again, we're not sure exactly if this is just based off the grades they were given just last year alone. Lamar and Trevor Lawrence, also in the 90s, just above oh, wow. Kirk. Wow, interesting. I thought Lawrence yeah. would be a little higher. Interesting. Okay, yep. good to know. We're going to dive into your Minnesota Vikings questions. We've got a five-pack today, some really good questions that we're going to deliver to you. we got some big answers. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The NBA All-Star break has come and gone. Time to get back in the action. The perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. You can claim your no-sweat first bet if you're a first-time sign-up. Get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. So it's basically risk-free. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Safe, secure, super easy to use. Bet on everything from the money line to point scores to three points drained and a lot of creative ways to combine your bets in the same game parlay and maximize your payouts. Head to FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more and get started and claim your no sweat first bet with up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. Make every moment more with FanDuel. All right, Lukester, question number one from Jacob on Twitter. Assuming two things, the Vikings trade back to the last two to three picks of the first round, as I think you would advocate for, Luke, and running back Bijan Robinson is the only player left with a first-round grade. Do the Vikings reach on a player that isn't a first-round grade, or do they take the running back, Bijan Robinson? Boy, that's a tough one. Here's the thing. I love... Bijan Robinson. If you've watched him at all during his career in Texas, you know he's a stud. He's a top five player in the entire class. I really think so. Total blue chip, can't miss type of guy. But if there's one thing we've learned over the last 10, maybe even 15 years, it's that drafting a running back in the first round, it just isn't worth the value when you can get production from guys on day two and day three, pound those guys into the ground, grind them for three, four years, move on and do it all over again. And when I look at the blueprint in the NFL, 
the Eagles and the Chiefs, you know, roster management from those two teams that just made the Super Bowl. Neither of them paid a running back big money. Instead, they used that valuable money. They used it elsewhere on the roster and they get what they need out of a running back with that running back by committee approach. And it works, Sam. I mean, I think unless you're going to have a game plan before you even draft B. John Robinson, where you think you can use him in the passing game just as much as a runner, I don't think, as special as he is, you're going to be able to get your money's worth out of them using a first-round pick. Now, if the Vikings did pull off a trade for like Dalvin Cook, right, and got even, I would say, even a fourth-round pick for him and then cleared all that cap space off the books, it would be a lot easier pill to swallow knowing – all right, I just hit the reset button. I'm going to get amazing value from a production standpoint from this elite young talent. I pay him rookie money, even if it is a watered-down kind of devalue position that we've seen take place over the last 10, 15 years in the league. So very tempting. Somebody's going to pull the trigger. This is a top five. Yeah. If you don't agree he's a top five, can't argue he's a top 10 guy. And obviously running back is devalued, a little watered down, but this guy's special. I'm thinking maybe a guy like Jerry Jones from Dallas Loves the Texas connection. Loves drafting running backs early. He did it with Zeke. He did it with a guy like Felix Jones way back in the day, 15, 20 years ago. Maybe Zeke, they let him walk. Tony Pollard, he's a free agent. And that's a team that maybe pulls the trigger on Bijan. But somewhere at the end of round one, I think, is where he goes. Doesn't mean I think it's right, but I think it only takes one team to fall in love. And I think Bijan's just too special of a talent. I do think, though, and he does have some great pass-catching ability, that's how you maximize the value. If you're going to take a running back early, you got to have a game plan to get him involved in the passing game. Spread him out wide a lot, put him in the slot, use him in that passing game as much as you can because it's such a pass-happy league. Otherwise, some of these guys just end up sitting on the bench or the sidelines on third down. And then you look back and you go, did I really get my money's worth out of such an early pick? Fast forward to the first round. <laughs> Cowboys have just taken Bijan Robinson with pick 26, Jerry Jones. I'm telling you, Zeke is our guy. <laughs> Zeke, Ezekiel Elliott is our future. We're going to get Zeke the ball. We're going to pay Zeke whatever he wants. Zeke is our guy. That's that just a little glimpse into the crystal ball. 100%. You nailed it. Frank Caliendo style right there, too. I think you nailed it. 100%. I'd, I'd be floored if the Vikings took him. And whoever takes him will get rewarded, probably. But if you're taking a first-round running back, you have to kind of commit to being to workhorsing them. Like They have to be the guy. Uh, like when the Vikings parted ways with Adrian Peterson, it made sense that they would immediately draft Dalvin Cook as high as they did because mm -hmm. we knew it was Mike Zimmer's run first scheme. We knew that the Vikings preferred to kind of lean on one running back. That made sense. For the way that I expect Kevin O'Connell to use running backs going forward post Dalvin, I don't expect a workhorse. I do expect a running back by committee. And I think that Quazy would be in his ear and advocate for that too. I just think that it's better to have those fresh legs coming in and out. The Vikings haven't had that, that one-two punch in a while. And hey, Luke, remember the one year when they did go with the one-two punch? Latavius and Jarek McKinnon after Dalvin got hurt, got hurt. Neither of those backs were as good or talented as Dalvin. Mm -hmm. But it kind of worked out nicely, didn't it? Worked they had out a little great. Light, little lightning and thunder. That was a great year. Yeah, let me ask game. you this. How much less shocked would you be if they were to draft Bijan if they had moved on from Dalvin? Whether it's a trade or whether they cut him outright, they just need to clear the space. Then do you go into draft weekend that first night saying, you know what? We're sitting there at 23. 
maybe Bijan is a realistic possibility. Or you still got Ty Chandler, you still got Kenny. Maybe they bring back Madison if that's the case. Kind of depends. I know it's a fluid situation, but let's just say they do cut ties with Dalvin. What does that probability shoot up to in your estimation? Maybe five percent. I don't think it's I don't think it's a tremendous difference. I think mm-hmm. the point of moving on from Dalvin is that you're confident that you can find a stable of running backs late in the draft, use the guys you have on the team, find someone in free agency. I, I don't think that you would devote first round resources to a position that you would intentionally rotate, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. you wouldn't, you wouldn't take a first round left tackle and then rotate them with another left tackle. Sure. I think you want someone that's going to play full time, be a full time starter. And I don't think the Vikings are going to handle running backs that way going forward. So I, I feel confident they won't, but if they took him, he'd be great. Like that, that's what we always say about running backs. Like mm-hmm. some of them are awesome. Mm-hmm. They're just, they're such a luxury item in this league. Yeah. And um, Dallas seems to be the team that we all connect the dots to Buffalo. I've heard a lot of rumors about, you know, they've invested a lot of second and third round picks on running back the last six years, but still are looking for that just stable workhorse in that offense. Can you imagine Josh Allen and Diggs and that offense with a guy like Bijan Robinson, that would be special. And then how about Philadelphia with their two first round picks? Maybe they go defense with pick number 10, but coming back at the end of round one with pick 31, Miles Sanders is a free agent can you imagine that offense with a blue chip talent at running back like B. John robinson that's scary to think about somebody's going to get a premium talent at what feels like or seems like a good value though i think a lot of people in the industry will agree if you're running a team you're just probably not going to take a running back in the first round question from norm kind of a fun one who is the vikings player current or all time who rode the coattails of his position group thought they were a legit contributor and talked crap and was loud about their game. Um, so my answer is I, I'm not denigrating anybody whose answer I, I, I give. I don't know if I don't really know who was talking crap, who was loud about their game, but I do have a few candidates that I think fit the bill of what Norm is trying to get at here. Who rode the coattails of their position group? Um, I toss out Mackenzie Alexander. I think Mackenzie Alexander, as we oh, that's saw, a good one. was no, number one, he was a pretty loud player. Like he he was a loud player. Mike Zimmer said he was uncoachable. Um, and we saw that when he was part of a group that included Rhodes at his peak, Newman at his peak, Waynes at his peak, Mac Alexander fit in pretty well. But then when he came back without any of that help, he wasn't very good at all. Um, so I think that that pretty clearly fits what Norm is uh is asking about. I who does come to mind probably doesn't fit a lot of those criteria. In fact, I really liked him coming out of Virginia, led the nation in interceptions, but then he got hurt, so he kind of went undrafted, flew under the radar. Anthony Harris put together two solid years under the team, under Zimmer at safety, but I always thought it was really odd, a little strange. When he went to Philly, signed that big contract, kind of just disappeared shortly thereafter. Within like two years, he was just out of the league. And he wasn't a loudmouth or like this ultra cocky or anything like that. In fact, I had him on the draft draft, my podcast once. Extremely yeah. likable dude. Really Big cool. fan of him. On and off the field. But maybe getting to play next to a guy like Harrison Smith and then getting coached in a Mike Zimmer defense, maybe that allowed him to shine a little bit more than his true talents. Really let him somewhere else like Philly. Because I just thought that was really strange, didn't you? The way he fell off the map so quickly as soon as he signed over there in Philly. And kind of began to 
you know, the year, the last year in Minnesota, after he had yeah. that that Pro Bowl season, um, and they lost all their cornerbacks, mm-hmm. suddenly he looked a lot more exposed. You know, another player that I think was the beneficiary of some really good cornerback play um, didn't do as well in 2020, and then you're right, really dropped off after he left Minnesota. And I would even toss Andrew Sendejo, speaking of safeties from that era, I would toss his name into this mix as well. Uh, and he did like to like t- to talk um, on and off the field quite a bit. Um, so thanks, Norm, for the question. Question now from Matthew. And Luke, you're going to have to really weigh in on this one because there's a lot of names here that I only have kind of basic knowledge of. So Matthew's got draft names. He's asking, how much of a drop-off from Zay Flowers to Kayshawn Boutte to Jalen Hyatt? So three wide receivers there. Let's just start with that. He's also got um, some defensive linemen and some cornerbacks he wants to know about. But just focusing on those receivers, it seems to me that Hyatt and Flowers are in that first-round mix. No, Um, totally right. Kayshawn Boutte would be about a third-round guy, the LSU kid. I mean, there's not a lot of true big-body alpha number one guys outside of the top dog, Quentin Johnston from TCU, who, by the way, super excited to see what he does at the Combine because I think he's going to be a guy that solidifies himself as the number one wide receiver in this class. But once you get past that, there's this second and third tier of wideouts. Jordan Addison, Jalen Hyatt, Jackson Smith from Ohio State, Josh Downs, your boy, who you sold us on yesterday, Zay Mm -hmm. Flowers, and then all the guys that we saw, for example, at the Senior Bowl and the Shrine Game, Nathan Dell, Zay Flowers, Cedric Tillman, the other Tennessee guy. There's a lot of them. Zay Flowers, Hyatt, near the top of that second tier. I think both of them are first-round worthy. Boutte's interesting because... I remember him coming out, four-star guy, height, weight, speed guy. I think he impresses at the Combine. I remember his freshman year, he balled out. He was like on the all-SEC freshman team, and he was doing good. But he had an injury, and let me try to look it up real quick. But I know he had a leg injury in 2021, cut his season short, and then he never really got back on track last year. A lot of high expectations. Didn't necessarily have a bad season, but just the production wasn't there. I don't think LSU necessarily used him the right way, but I think he ended with two touchdowns. Let's see, not even 600 yards, not even 50 catches in 11 games. So the stock kind of plateaued a little bit after that freshman and sophomore season, but the talent and the raw physical ability is there. More in the third tier, though, Zay Flowers and Jalen Hyatt in that second tier. Combine's going to shake a lot of this stuff up, though, as well as pro days, like it does every year, though, Sam. No, no doubt about it. Um, I'll be really impressed if you can like speak to all these guys, but Matthew wants to know too about the comparison between Miles Murphy, kind of the big name, defensive lineman, Tuli Tui Pulatu, and Felix Anudike Uzama. That's a mouthful. Um, from what I've read, my research tells me that Tui Pulatu moves pretty well for his size, more of like the 290 kind of type. Whereas Enedike Uzama, he's the lightweight. He's the the athletic, the speedy, like true edge, probably a little bit less versatile. Um, and maybe not really apples to apples with someone like, you know, Tui Pulatu. But uh, what do you make 
of those prospects. Not really apples to apples. Thule's more of the inside interior defensive tackle. Seeing about a day two projection on him. Haven't done a deep dive on him quite yet. We'll see where he kind of fits in with the Kalijah Cansey, the Mazzy Smith, who I brought up yesterday from Michigan, uh, Keanu Benton from Wisconsin. Because going into the draft process, it seemed like he was right in that mix. Just haven't heard his name flung out there a ton. He wasn't at the Senior Bowl, obviously. Again, combine coming up next week. We'll see what he measures in at. But still think, from what I've heard, he's going to be in that round two, round three discussion. But again, that's a defensive tackle. Miles Murphy, just to give you a quick kind of bullet point checklist on him, Bruce Feldman comes out with a freak list every summer before the college season. He was third on this top 50 ranking. He is maybe the best combination of size, strength, quickness, and speed. He's an absolute freak in the weight room. He's rumored to run, I believe, in the high four fives, which is crazy for a defensive end. So he's the athletic freak. I think, again, he's going to be a guy that at the combine wows a lot of people. He's already been rumored to be a top 10 type of player in projection. Didn't necessarily have the production to match a top 10 pick last year at Clemson. And the other guy haven't done any research on yet, Sam. So I can't speak to him quite yet. All right, and then one more for Matthew. Joey Porter Jr., you know, obviously a first-round cornerback talent. Kai Blue Kelly, you've advocated a lot about him. Two new names that we haven't talked about on this show, Emmanuel Forbes and Eli Ricks. Um, now, I will say about Ricks, from the, the reading I've done, Ricks is the big wild card at corner in this draft because he was a baller in 2020 for LSU. Then injury issues popped up, shoulder issues. He transferred to Alabama. So from one blue blood to the next. And apparently for Alabama, he played like four games, was unbelievable for those four, then got hurt again, and didn't play the rest of the year. So he's really only played one great year as a freshman in 2020. Um, and then just a little taste in 2022. But the injury issues, red flag, not a lot of game tape, red flag. But SEC pedigree, Eli Ricks feels like he could be the steal of the draft. Yeah, you know who he kind of reminds me of? Not quite that level, but a Derek Stingley light where tons of questions about him. Is he worthy of a top 10 pick? But if you follow him all the way back and you look at the history, both highly recruited coming out of high school. Eli Ricks, if he wasn't the number one cornerback coming out of high school, he was in the top three or top five. Five-star recruit. You mentioned it. Monster freshman season. Busts out on the scene. Very similar to Derek Stingley. He had a monster freshman season as well. And then the next two years just kind of plateaued a little bit for a variety of reasons. Eli Ricks, you're right, is the wild card of the group. Tons of potential there. Try to figure out what happened the last year or two. Gave up a lot of big plays. Got really grabby. Got called for a lot of penalties and pass interference. Can you clean that stuff up mm. from a coaching perspective? Then this guy's worth a top 50 pick for sure. But everything I've seen early on, I think I've seen him fall into the third, fourth round somewhere in that mix. And that's a dangerous spot to be if you're Eli Ricks. Because as we learned yesterday, going through that mock draft simulator, there is a ton of of day two and day three cornerbacks, and it's going to be easy to get lost to the shuffle if you're Eli Ricks. Joey Porter Jr. is my guy. Don't think he's going to be there at 23. Love him in that top tier with Devon Witherspoon and Christian Gonzalez. Love the NFL genes. Also why I love Kai Blue Kelly, son to former Tampa Bay Buck stud, Brian Kelly, cornerback there for about eight, nine years. And then, oh, Emmanuel Forbes. Forbes. 14 
interceptions Mm -hmm. the last three years. So this is a guy who gets his hand on the ball a ton. He's a playmaker. He's a turnover machine. Nobody comes close to the turnover production like Emmanuel Forbes does. Is he perfect in his technique and his backpedal and the smooth hips? Probably not. We'll see what he looks like at the combine as far as an athletic specimen. But as far as the football IQ and awareness to get your hands on the ball, nobody's better. Led the country in interceptions last year, and nobody's had more over the last three seasons. So that's what's intriguing to him. More times than not, DBs who find a way to get their hands on the ball they translate very well and smoothly to the NFL. It's just something that translates well and can transfer over from the college game to the NFL. So knowing Forbes and his ball Mm -hmm. production, 14 interceptions in three years, that's something that I think a lot of teams are going to look at in the second round, maybe early third round somewhere in there. But again, there's so many of them this year. And I'm not just saying that for every position. Truly, this cornerback class this year is special. And it may be even better than last year, which is crazy because last year's class was outstanding if you go back and look. But it's going to be interesting. It only takes one team to fall in love with one of these guys, Sam. It's going to be interesting how high some of these guys go. Okay, I want quick answer, name only. Flowers or Hyatt? If you had the pick, Flowers or Hyatt? I know you want a quick answer, but am I drafting them to be my number one or number two guy? Or am I drafting them? You're the, just- you're the Vikings. You're the Vikings. Okay, I'm the Vikings? Yeah. Jalen Hyatt. I think he's going to, and no disrespect to Flowers. Flowers is a baller, dude. You talked about Josh Downs being a baller. Flowers is a lightning bug baller. He's shorter, but he makes plays just like Josh Downs. Jalen Hyatt is going to compliment Justin Jefferson, I think, a lot more. He can be a boundary guy. He can be another deep threat, and he's going to run in the four threes. Led the country in touchdowns last year at 15 of them. I think Hyatt compliments and fits what the Vikings do a little bit better. If I was starting a team from scratch, and it was down the those two guys it'd be a lot tougher decision because i think flowers belongs in that discussion got it okay and then let, let's assume that porter's off the board okay um later later round corner forbes ricks or kelly forbes Forbes all day. I think there's just something about the ball production that you just sometimes can't teach. Their instincts that these guys just have. I think Forbes is 14 interceptions, six last year alone. I think that's worth rolling the dice over maybe a guy like Eli Ricks or Kai Blue Kelly. No disrespect on them. Like them both, just a little bit later. All right. We still got a big, meaty Kurt Cousins question coming here on the mailbag edition of the show. Before we get to that, if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, you got to try a Built Bar. Hopefully you've got some snacks built up as this blizzard is hitting us really hard today. Uh, Built Bar gives you health. They give you taste. They give you 100% real chocolate. They're a perfect snack in the afternoon to get you through until dinner if you need something to munch on. Uh, Unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I don't know how Built does it every time. They nail it with all these new flavors, and they still manage to deliver amazing macros. 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, still pack 17 grams of protein in those Built Bars. You can go to Walmart. You can go to Sam's Club. You can go there and physically bring home Built Bars into your home, the 4-bar box, the 13-bar box, if you want to stock up for longer. And you can still go to Built.com, as always, with the promo code LOCKEDON15 for 15% off at Built. .com. Uh, quick one before we get to the big Kirk Cousins question. This is from Michael Chow, one of our favorites. Who's an up-and-coming, relatively unknown defensive assistant you wouldn't be surprised Flores bringing in to join the staff? 
and which position could use an upgrade in coaching. Um, so I've got an answer for this, and I, I'll confess, inherently in the question, it's hard to know unknown defensive assistants, right? Because they're unknown, like they're below the radar. We don't know a lot about other teams' assistants. But I do have one name, and this also answers the second part of Michael's question. Everything I've heard about Durante Jones is positive. People speak highly of him as a as a leader, um, as a coach. So I don't. He might be here for the long haul. He might be a coordinator someday. All I'm saying is that Durante Jones was here in 2020, and the secondary was terrible. Durante Jones left. He came back in 2022, and the secondary was terrible. So just on that basis alone, we could stand an upgrade in the secondary. Maybe that happens with position coach, and maybe there's an available guy out there that Brian Flores has his eye on. Do you know who I'm talking about, Luke? I'll tell you. I won't won't keep you in suspense. Chris Richard. Chris Richard. Sounds made up. I don't know. Let me do some (laughs) quick Google search here. Dr. Chim Richard. Chris Richard was the position coach for the Legion of Boom. He's been working with secondaries for over 10 years. And if you read articles a few years back, he was like the guy who was supposed to be the next head coach in the league. He's like 43 years old. He's paid his dues. People expected him to be promoted by now to head coach. Well, he did get a promotion to co-defensive coordinator. Um, And as we learned with the Vikings and, um, you know, Patterson and Zimmer didn't work out too well. He and Ryan Nielsen shared those duties in New Orleans. Nielsen moved on, took another job, and Richard was let go. So Richard is available. Um, He has been interviewed for head coaching jobs, hasn't gotten them. He's been a co-defensive coordinator. If he's just sitting there wanting to spend the year coaching, and maybe Brian Flores whispers in his ear and says, Hey, Chris, be my assistant for a year. You can either replace Durante Jones, you can work beneath Durante Jones, but we are going to groom you to be my replacement. That, to me, feels like the play. Bringing the guy. That makes a lot of sense. Intimate, secondary knowledge, tons of experience, respect in the league, Chris Richard. I'll have to do a little bit more digging on him. And you're right. Inherently, it is kind of a tough question unless you're within those NFL circles and can hear those discussions behind closed doors. It's tough to really get a gauge on the temperature of which coaches are kind of heating up a little bit and becoming a little bit more valued. Because I'll be honest with you, man, I'm not hip on the you know up-and-coming coaches coming up the ranks. So I couldn't tell you who the next hot names are coming down the pipeline the next few years. I would love to know any even other coaches that you got so I can jot them down. But your guess was as good as mine as far as the Vikings positional coaches go to be honest I think I've actually just been encouraged by what we saw last year from mostly a new staff like they kept Keenan McCardell he's a stud highly coveted the offensive line coach I thought did a great job all things considering he polished Brian O'Neill and Christian Derrissaw took him to the next level two high bookend tackles he got the best season out of Bradbury we've seen and he had to work with you know this raw rookie and Ed Edgram coming out of LSU in the second round but I think most importantly I think they identified their biggest weakness that was Ed Donatel arguably turned it into a big strength with Flores, who was always regarded as one of the top defensive guys out there. So time will tell what he does with that unit. But if you can turn a weakness 
into a legitimate strength in just one offseason, I think you're doing a heck of a job hiring the right guys. So I am kind of excited to see what those guys can do next season and which guys he does bring in. But I'm glad you threw out Chris Richard because he seems like a candidate, even if the Vikings don't start to do their due diligence and maybe bring him on, seems like he would be a guy over the next season or two we could see upgrade the coaching ranks a little bit there too. Yeah, no doubt. All right, here's the big Kirk Cousins question from Katie. If the Vikings tell Kirk that they are not extending him and will just play out the last year of his deal, is Kirk more likely to say, okay, cool? Or would he want to work out a trade with a team who will give him an extension? Luke Enman, what do you think? It's tough to get in the mind of Kirk and know exactly what he'll do or want at that point. Because at that point in his career... He's already made a boatload of money, guaranteed money, by the way. And you would think he's getting to that point where now all he really wants is a championship to add to the resume, like a lot of these guys. But it wouldn't surprise me in the least if he also wanted more security, given what he's proven the last four or five years either. Like, I've earned that now at this point. Asking for a trade? Kind of a sticky situation. There's so many different variables and wild cards that come into play. A lot of things need to line up. All the stars need to align, so to speak, for both parties to get on board and give it the green light. But if it does get to that point, then yeah, I think all options are on the table. I, for one, don't think it does get to that point because I think the Vikings extend him another year or two and continue to ride him out as long as he plays at this high level, honestly, now that we've got the KOC system in place. I tend to think that the Kirk Cousins era in Minnesota ends amicably. Really? I think I I think it ends like and I'm not saying that it ends with Kirk riding off into the sunset, mm-hmm. you know, and like, you know, tipping the hat, you know, on on the Jared Allen horse and saying so long Minnesota, love you. No, I I do think though that I think he gets another year extension. Um, I know that's not the question, though. So the question is, is he more likely to say, okay, cool, ask for a trade? I don't think Kirk would want to leave the first situation he's ever had, Luke, where he actually gets the same play caller back-to-back years. Mm -hmm. He's literally been in this revolving door of coordinators and play callers, coaching staffs. He's never had this continuity before. He finally has it. So I think he would rather roll the dice and say, I'm going to come back for this other, this second year with Kevin O'Connell. Who cares if it's the last year of my contract? I've still got Jefferson, so I know I'm probably going to produce. Think of the money I'll make on the open market. Like If, if, if it comes down to money, um, is it really that much worse to wait until free agency and then just go to the highest bidder? Like If, that, if that's what the issue is for Kirk, I think he's going to do well enough this year in Minnesota that He'll have his payday, whether it's with the Vikings or not. Don't you agree? Like I, I think Kirk I think is so. more concerned with. I'm going to be on a really good offense this year. The team might be good again. Don't know for sure, but the team could very easily be good again. I'm in a system that I just figured out, and will probably be better in in year two. Um, why would I want to push for a restart somewhere else where we might not have the offensive weapons? So I think I think Kirk would be much more likely to play it out. Um, And if the Vikings tell him that, it probably tips off that they're going to draft a quarterback at Mm. some point. Mm -hmm. And and then I think think the amicable ending is, I think that Kirk kind of passes the torch. I think he has fond, you know, fondness about his time in Minnesota. I I honestly do. Um, And I think that Vikings fans would probably appreciate him more after he was gone. 
to to be honest. For like, sure. If, if they if they see like the growing pains that come with a rookie quarterback, Vikings fans might end up pining for Kirk Cousins and saying, "We wish we had the the high floor, low ceiling of Kirk. We wish we had that." So that's just my take on it right now. Could change, um, but it's probably coming down the pipeline in less than a month, Luke. The the Kirk Cousins decision, if you will, probably right around the start of free agency. This is low-key one of the most exciting parts of the entire calendar year from an NFL perspective because so many big names are going to be floating around there. Also, guys who are going to set the market for a lot of positions and have that big trickle effect for all these other teams and how much they can sign or maybe they can save retaining some core key names. We saw Deron Payne yesterday. He was scheduled to be a free agent. Think Washington just locked him up, franchise tagged him, I believe. And now we don't know maybe what they would have signed him for long term. He would have set the market for, for example, Dalvin Tomlinson. And we, we got a gauge of how much maybe we could retain him for. So, yeah, it's going to be super exciting. I think you nailed that Kirk Cousins bit, though. I think you hit it on the head. At this point, once a guy makes, what, 150, 180 guaranteed, is it really going to be something where I'm penny pinching for another million or two to go play somewhere else? Or at this point in my career, do I value more so having the consistency and the continuity to play under the same scheme, the same system, the same coach, the same playbook, and play next to guys like an emerging superstar in Justin Jefferson? I think you hit it right on the head. Yeah. That's the mailbag show for today. Back with Arif Hassan and Luke Braun tomorrow with the full crew on the Minnesota football party. And hey, comment down below. Do you think Kurt Cousins would ask for a trade if they told him this was the final year here in Minnesota? Let us know what you think at Lockdown Sports Minnesota. You can get our show, the Ron Johnson Show, and the all-new Minnesota Sports Rankum Show, which we've just debuted in the past couple of weeks. He's Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. Find him on Twitter. Find me on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom. It's the Minnesota Football Party on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.